Welcome to season one of Deconstructing the Raise, a show powered by VentureJuice, a European fundraising and investment platform built for SaaS founders and funders. VentureJuice helps early stage companies increase their exposure to the right funding and helps connect them with their best fit investor. If you're looking to raise your first or your next round, you can create a founder profile in less than five minutes at VentureJuice.com forward slash founders. In this season, Alex Steumer, the CEO of Sastock, talks with eight founders to identify exactly what it takes to successfully raise seed and Series A rounds. Okay, we are live. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Deconstructing the Raise, a weekly show where we debunk early stage fundraising to help those raising seed or Series A get more success. I'm Alex Thumer, CEO of SaaStock, which is an events media company that helps supercharge SaaS companies' growth. Each week, I'll be joined by SaaS founders that have recently raised uh, seed or Series A round. I hit them up with the questions to break down their success to help you, the listener, get an advantage as you go through the process yourself, maybe now, maybe in the uh, future. So today's guest, and I hope I get the name right, is Martin Maschelinhoff, CEO and co-founder of Soda, a Belgian-based startup that I believe raised two rounds in uh, in 2020, uh, and one of them being a Series A uh, around about 11 and a half million. Uh, welcome, uh, Martin. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. How did I get your name? Was <laughs> This is a very interesting one. Um, I think you actually got it uh, spot on. It's Martin Maschelein. That's how we okay. say it in, uh, in Dutch and Belgium. And I think you made a, a very good version of it. Uh, so okay. Uh, and I see. I think what we've done, we, what we've done in the title there, uh, I think it's of soda. Um, so Martin Maschelein, <laughs> I think it was Maschelein of. Uh, so we've uh, we, we we've had a small area. But uh, no Martin, uh, welcome. Uh, good stuff. So starting from the top. Can you tell us how much you raised, I guess, in 2020, uh, from whom and what stage of funding round uh, that was? Yeah, sure. So in, in the last year, um, so last April, actually, we did uh, 2.6 million seed rounds. Uh, that was with 0.9 Capital uh, out of Berlin. And then it's February this year. So it all happened in less than 12 months. But February this year, we did an 11.5 million Series A with, uh, led by Singular, uh, which is a new European fund, uh, but with uh, you know, some of the, uh, the, the principles of uh, some very prominent uh, former European funds. Very nice. And what do you tell us? Um, I, I guess we kind of jumped into obviously how much we raise, which we usually do, but what, what, what does SOTA do? <laughs> What is so right. So we're a company that focuses on data monitoring and data observability. Um, if you kind of zoom out a little bit, what's happening is that many organizations are starting to automate uh, more with data. We're building data products uh, to automate our decisions. You might come think of machine learning as like the first thing that comes to mind, uh, but actually also our, our kind of standard reporting we have in, uh, in companies and organizations or BI and analytics. Um, all of those are data products. And what's unfortunate with data products is there's silent issues uh, that uh, impact or, uh, you know, their analytical integrity. So what we're all about is, is helping data teams and organizations um, discover, prioritize, and resolve data issues. 
Awesome, awesome, good stuff. And then as we go back to, so both Point Nine was a lead investor, really well known, uh, perhaps one of the best known um, seed stage, early stage investors in SaaS in yep. Europe, um, maybe globally, they invest globally as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and then Singular, as you said, a fairly uh, a newer fund. So why, if we, if we look at each of those um, sort of rounds, why Point Nine um, and then why Singular? Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. Maybe a little anecdote or a story from from the time we with our seed. Um, I think when you're really early stage and uh, you're in a category that uh, many funds VCs have identified, uh, it can very often be tempting to go with later stage VCs. Uh, sometimes it's because of the name, mm -hmm. uh, but typically it's also because of the uh, the commitment they make, uh, the initial check size. Um, and, you know, there's some downsides to that. And that's something that we, especially at seed stage, uh, we were very, ad very adamant about that. We wanted to have uh, or be backed by a fund that had stage experience um, because product market fit is something that is super important to get right. Um, mm -hmm. And if you scale too early, um, that can become a problem that, uh, that perpetuates. So when it was about uh, 0.9, I think, um, first of all, like first time we met, we had a very great connection. Um, I think, you know, the stars aligned. It was a, it was a great conversation as well. Um, we already knew them a little bit uh, in terms of their approach. They're very vocal about, um, you know, how they see things. Uh, they, for example, have a term sheet that just uh, openly available. And that really f had a great fit with us as founders. Uh, we really liked that approach. Uh, we, for example, as a software company, provide open source software as well. Uh, so that kind of very much aligns. So for us, it was a decision between uh, 0.9 and a lot of the larger funds. Mm -hmm. um, but we predominantly did that because of um, the fit with uh, the team at 0.9, uh, their approach, uh, their culture, um, and their stage relevance. And what about with um, with, with, with Singular? Yep. Singular is uh, is again kind of it's it's on that same like it's continuing that same story because we've done it is approximately nine months between uh, our seed and our Series A, mm -hmm. which um, this is not because we already had all of the metrics and everything in place for a proper Series A. Um, we are actually preemptive Series A that we did, um, which. Um, Ultimately, so it allows us to secure the, the round earlier, uh, but without being there necessarily already. And so Singular was uh, very interesting because, again, small funds, um, which mapped very well to our early, early stage, uh, two almost entrepreneurs that are building this fund from the ground up. Um, however, with a lot of uh, you know credential from the past, they were, for example, in companies like Dataiku mm -hmm. uh, very early on. Um, and again, very good kind of um, connection uh, with the person who ultimately will be involved in the decision making in our boards. Um, very good kind of credentials in terms of uh, helping us from the point where we're at now to the next stage. Um, so that was uh, ultimately why we've uh, decided to go with them as well. Awesome. And Singular, that's the guys that were at Alvin before the, uh, and, and so on. Yeah, uh, uh, good stuff. Where, like, given it was 2020, um, and I, I, I don't know, like, when did the point nine investment happen? At what point in 2020? April. April. So that was, I guess, 
pandemic, kind of maybe the height of the pandemic, and uh, and then obviously we've been in the pandemic kind of uh, ever since. Still, mm-hmm. still are. Right? So, um, did you meet? Managed to meet Point Nine, you know, in person. Was it Louis uh, from Point Nine? And um, did you manage to meet them in person, or was this all done over Zoom? <laughs> Actually, it, it was kind of um, uh, so we closed in, in April, but uh, the process took uh, took a couple of months. Um, and ultimately, so we did have the opportunity, luckily, to meet them uh, in their Berlin office, <clears throat> to meet the entire team there. Uh, I think that was a, that was a great experience in and of itself. Um, but indeed, with with Singular it was uh, also quite interesting because. Um, we're already fast forward. So we're already in the in kind of the height, the middle of the pandemic. Um, but with them, uh, because they were so like the proximity was close. Like they were in Paris, we're in Brussels. Um, that was something I really really liked. Uh, they heard about the fundraising process. The first thing they did was jump on a train. There was only one train going from uh, uh, Paris to Brussels per day, um, but they managed to make it work. They fit it in in their schedule. Um, so we managed to meet up, uh, of course, with in our offices with uh, with proper distancing, etc. So we did actually did meet both of them, but I know that for many companies today, that's absolutely not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we were lucky to to have some FaceTime with them. And how how did they find you, or did you find them? Um, how did that come about? Right. Um, ultimately, I think if we look at uh, point nine. Um, the approach that we've taken always was um, start raising when you don't. Uh, that's actually the best time to raise money is with the, when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. So we started this uh, quite early on. Um, we started building relationships. Uh, we go through network, you do some research online, um, you build your deck, you start testing it out. Um, that's kind of how uh, uh, the approach that, that we took. Um, and we organically, uh, by going from, uh, you know, by pitching and, and improving our pitch, we, we, we met more VCs and funds. Uh, and we ultimately got introduced to, through network uh, uh, into Point9. Uh, and that's how, uh, how we met them. Uh, with Singular, it's a very same, similar story. Uh, through network, we got a lot of inquiries from, uh, from VCs. And there was a period in time uh, post our, uh, our seed round that I still kept doing those to further build and extend our VC network. And that's when we've, um, uh, you know, when uh, we kind of had the first touch point, we built some kind of a first relationship. And then it's, of course, a lot easier when you're actually kicking off the process. Um, you already have established uh, that first connection. You know them. You, you've done your pitch. You can give like an update at the same time now as you're raising, um, and that uh, worked very well for us. And so, uh, and to remind us, like, how long did the um, the process take with with point nine from start to finish, and yep. the same with uh, with singular? Yes. So start to finish. Let's uh, maybe def- I'll define it as um, when we internally. Uh, kick off and um, kind of we we do a week around preparing the uh, uh, the, the pitch deck etc and a bit of the the list of people in the process. Um, for a seed round, it took us two months to get to a signed term sheet, mm-hmm. and it takes you about and that depends on the country you're in, some of the legalities. Uh, but then it, t- it took us another month to reach fully close uh, for a Series A that all went a bit quicker. Um, 
and that was uh, in a month to sign term sheets. And then again, indeed, plus another month, uh, a month and a half uh, for, for a final closing. Uh, and, and both rounds, they're pretty speedy. Uh, I mean, I always ask this question, but, you know, is there anything that you could have done to expedite it? And, mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah, that was uh, surprisingly, it was one of the things I was thinking about when, uh, when, when going through all of this. Like, how can I get ahead of things here? How can I do this faster than everyone else? But I realized that it's, um, uh, to be honest, it, it's. I would even argue it's not really smart to rush the process too much. Um, I think in that process, it is important that you clearly communicate um, your timelines, what you want to work towards, um, that you make those timelines kind of respective of like respectful in a way, so that everyone has proper time for DD due diligence and. Um, you know, to get to a final decision, but it's also like it, it, it. You know, it has a certain cadence to it. Um, I think is a very, very important positive thing. But I would argue that um, you know, don't try to optimize everywhere. Um, just be in control of the process. Uh, I think that's the key thing. And why do the the, the preemptive Series A? Um, yeah. It's uh, we've uh, we've gone back and forth. Um, do we do it? Do we not do it? We have plenty of money in the bank. It was not really necessary. Um, but then we said, look, if we find ourselves a great partner um, that can give us a, uh, a full Series A valuation and check as we would expect it, with limited impact on our uh, uh, on our existing paperwork, uh, then we'll do it. And that happened. So. Um, it's we were cognizant of the the risks associated with this as well as that um, you're too early investing too much, uh, so you create a company that you know is not lean and mean anymore for a kind of a, a, a given period of time, and that's not great. So uh, we absolutely did not want that, um, but we did say if we the benefit here is de-risking the company. Right. If we do this round earlier and we get uh, everything we want, why not do it? Yeah. Uh, so that was a bit the thinking. And in terms of your sort of process, I'm assuming obviously like, you know, Point Nine and Singular weren't the only investors mm -hmm. that you spoke to. Um, how many do you speak to in total and how many said no versus obviously the, the ones that, that said yes? Yep. I'll add Hummingbird as well to the list because they're the, like the top three uh, investors that we have. Hummingbird was there also from the seed round, and um, they've been super supportive, helping us through every uh, through the subsequent rounds as well. Um, so, but next to um, next to that, like how many investors did we meet in total? Well, <laughs> I think at some point I did. Uh, I made a list. Uh, I actually had this thing. Um, I made like a Calendly one-on-one, -on -one, and then we automatically stored uh, kind of VC data and Salesforce, uh, made it easy to to extract lists and see kind of uh, more details on the co the conversations. I think we we're like at some point like 70, 80 or so, so quite a lot of them um, across both uh, both rounds. Um, so quite a quite a large number of uh, of conversations ultimately. Um, but then again, that wasn't our philosophy of like let's build relationships with uh, uh, with with all of these funds. Let's get really crisp and good at our uh, at our pitch at our value proposition. 
Um, and then when the time comes, uh, the process will be uh, very smooth. Was there, was there ever a point, uh, let, let's say, in the, in the, in the seed stage when, uh, I don't know, you've done your kind of 40th pitch or something like that, that maybe you started to get a little bit tired or demotivated or kind of losing heart <laughs> in the process? Oh, yeah, it, it, maybe it's not like repeating that pitch um, because I repeat that pitch probably 20 times a week. That's part of my job as a CEO to keep on communicating our value proposition and our story. Um, and I, I, I enjoy doing that. I don't, I don't get bored of that. But what you do get after a while is that um, um, you're kind of like the the entire long story, like what you start noticing is that you bring a lot of people up to speed as well about what the market is all about, uh, why it's important. And you sometimes you need to make a, a decision as well, like as a founder, how much does this bring me in return? Like, well, how good is this for the company that I keep doing this? Um, so I always kind of combined it with, hey, could you do any customer introductions or anyone in your network that could be interested in this? So I, I kind of combined it and almost formed like, it was almost like a lead engine uh, as well at the same time. So for me, it, it didn't get boring, but um, um, you know, after a while, and sometimes especially in crucial weeks when you have releases and deadlines, um, there's no time for it, unfortunately. So uh, it, it is a difficult balance, I have to say. What, why did they, you know, when they've kind of given you the, 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 the yes, um, mm -hmm. what were the reasons that they gave you? Like, uh, what, why did Point Nine choose to invest, you know, in Soda uh, and then obviously for Singular as well? Well, I think, um, well, Point Nine was 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 different in the in uh, in, in uh, <laughs> like compared to many others. So I'll I'll speak to Point Nine. Like Point Nine has. Um, an, uh, an extremely good due diligence uh, process, like a way uh, for them to figure out um, like how big is this problem? Does it resonate? Uh, they use multiple techniques. One of them is their internal uh, Slack community, which mm -hmm. is uh, insanely active. It's really crazy to see. Uh, they get super quick feedback on, uh, on product companies, etc. But, and that's for them, like this, this notion was new, uh, monitoring, quality observability. Um, they were not really well versed in it, but they got very quickly up to speed. Um, whereas with other funds, other VCs, um, they almost like we had at one point in time, a VC that just pitched it to us. And I, I took some notes because I improved our pitch simply because that person knew this space so well, has done their due diligence. Um, and that was like a very different experience, right? All of a sudden the tables are turned almost and a VC is pitching you uh, why they should invest. It's pitching you the problem uh, that they've also recognized and seen uh, by doing their research. So yeah, I would say it, it's, um, it, uh, it really depends, but I do think like um, for me, it's really crucial in uh, the decision of who you work with that they have, if, if they haven't done it before, uh, that kind of analysis and that due diligence, um, that they have a very good process for getting there. Um, that tells you a lot about how they operate. What um, what metrics can you share that helped, uh, that were in the pitch deck, that kind of helped clinch the deal? I guess maybe seed stage wasn't a huge amount um, <laughs> of metrics. Um, uh, sometimes it's just, you know, based on the team and the problem. But what what, what, what was the, the situation in your case and, uh, yep. and obviously with the preempt today? I think um, ultimately, also because we're building a product in a relatively complicated space, 
indeed uh, metrics like real um, uh, metrics or like very quick adoption and growth rates etc and MRR volumes that that was too early uh, uh, for seed rounds we did have paying customers um, but those are predominantly uh, built through uh, relationships kind of more enterprise type sales contracts um, but like what we use was predominantly like early customer traction uh, and the numbers of like active users alongside more qualitative information uh, based on decisions with the, like discussions with the buyer, sorry. So um, with the head of data, we'll go and say, hey, now that you've got it running here, like what do you think the, um, uh, the total number of users are if things go really, really well? Uh, is that like 100? Is that 200? Uh, where do we land? And the more you have these conversations, the more you can see what your potential ACV will be after you've grown in the account. And then we added in information about um, uh, kind of markets, size, estimations, uh, problem kind of domain estimations. There's quite some research that's done, uh, especially in our, sp in, uh, in our uh, space, uh, that helped that as well. Um, but that was it. So not a whole lot of uh, kind of metrics, numbers driven. I think mostly qualitative information. Uh, were there any unforeseen hurdles that you had to overcome in, in both instances? Um, I think the, f the first time you do something like this, it's an, it's new, right? It's, a, it's an entire new, entire new process. The second time you do it, some parts of it are new because you're dealing with existing investors. So I think ultimately, um, because things go so, so fast in, uh, in uh, the sales and startup world, um, you need to do so many things at the same time. Um, the, I think the, the key thing I take away is not really kind of, maybe it's not an unforeseen hurdle, um, although it kind of is a little bit, is that you have to do a lot of like stakeholder management. The, the more people you have on the cap table, Mm -hmm. um, that is really important in, I think, preparing and even playing a bit with the cap table, different scenarios, how would everyone kind of think and feel. Uh, I think that piece is something that um, uh, I would have uh, prepared a bit better going into it in hindsight. But other than that, uh, no crazy unforeseen hurdles for us now. And, and from the legal side, um, what external support did you get um, or even support from the, the, the investors and what was the structure uh, of the deal? Yeah, so of course we got ourselves a, an external legal counsel and a, a group of lawyers who have uh, worked with startups before, uh, who have worked in similar um, rounds before. I think that was for us key. Like we, um, we, we really want an experienced team uh, to do this, um, and we were so we, we found a, a great team here in Brussels. Uh, we've continued to work with them. Um, we do actually do a lot more things with them uh, nowadays. So I, I do, do think finding that organization um, and building a good relationship with them and explaining really like what 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 your uh, where you want this to go uh, is uh, is really important. Um, in terms of the structure. Anything that you can add there? Like, what would you like to know around the structure? Yeah, so I mean, like, did you um, uh, do a safe uh, sort of deal, uh, like with the uh, mm -hmm. on the seat? Sorry, save the with what? Sorry, 
was it structured as like as a as, as an SPV or, or a right. yeah yeah no it was very um, a very kind of basic uh, structure in which uh, you have an investor come in um, uh, it's a it's a all cash basically ultimately you have a uh, an, an equity percentage you give and, uh, and a sh- kind of an, uh, a shareholder class that's associated with that with some uh, um, uh, rights uh, um, yeah, and some, some responsibilities associated with those. Um, but I think it's a very normal kind of traditional structure that we've, uh, that we've used. And, and was anyone else from your team in, involved in the fundraise or was it you going out and you know, doing all, all the meetings and all, all, all the pitches? That's pretty much a founder's job, I think, uh, and especially with the CEO in the driving seat. Um, I, I do like the the further you get, like your subsequent rounds, you'll have different um, kind of team leads or heads off help you with uh, constructing certain pieces, and that that definitely helps expedite the process a little bit. But ultimately, you're in the you're in the driver's seat, especially your first rounds. I think uh, it's really good to do that. Uh, predominantly yourself, uh, together with your co-founders, uh, but still the CEO helps uh, the process, the alignment of everyone, and just brings in the other founders. At least in my opinion, bring in the fa- other founders at uh, the right times. And did you have a data room for the the, the seed stage round? And and do you have one now uh, when you when you get, did the preemptive uh, Series A? Yes, I think. Well, with the preemptive one, we actually, the data room, uh, we didn't have one really going into it, or at least we only had like a presentation, uh, which was still in the works. Um, but we did, um, for the seeds, I think it's a great thing to do. Uh, we just make, a, you make a shared folder. Uh, first, internally, you, you put some key things in there, key uh, assets like a presentation, a couple of other things. Um, and then what we did is uh, after we pitch, we we create a new folder for uh, the VC and us, uh, share the slide deck, and then add any additional information um, uh, on demand, really. And regarding the the pitch deck, um, yeah, I guess kind of like how much time did you mm-hmm. spend to build it? Um, even, yeah, like time, sort of money, effort in building the pitch deck. Um, obviously, it's an important tool. Um, but um, yeah, what was your your focus on it? Uh, we I like it to be like an, a growing, evolving thing um, because it, you really have to you have to test it out, see how it works, see where there's gaps, adjust. Um, and we made adjustments, I think, uh, for. Uh, like we started a couple of days, we made the first version of it, and then uh, we immediately went out and uh, and tested it. Um, and I think even after week two or week three, we're still making adjustments. But I think that's totally fine. What were the what were the key slides in it? I guess there right. would be different key slides for, for for each round. Well, I think traditionally you start with team problem. Um, I think then it's really important to say, okay, why is a team uniquely well positioned? Uh, to solve this problem, I think that's an important one to 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 be wary of or mindful of. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, um, okay, this problem space, uh, how big is it? Try to express it maybe in a in like a target addressable market or, or some form of uh, number uh, to it. Yeah, you know, put a stake in the ground. Uh, and then it's about okay, 
the solution like uh, what's unique about this and how will this thing like and, and its unique factors or, or characteristics make us help win uh, in the market and there it's really i think important to show your uh, unique insights uh, maybe that's experience for example uh, make sure you layer that in and then it's about like okay, where are we with the products where are we in our go-to market and what are our plans going forward i think those would be the core things that uh, um you know that i will put in there going back to when you started your uh, your reach out and kind of planning which vcs you wanted to meet like how did how did you go about that process and uh, uh, identifying this is the way that we're going to you know connect to them uh, and these are these are our, our target list of uh, investors. Right, I think for us it kind of grew organically because we started so early. Um, we never really said, "Look, this is our target list, and let's make sure we we get each and every one of those." Um, we it kind of grew. Uh, we we got introductions left and right. Uh, we we started growing the network. Um, we started getting a lot of inbound requests from VCs as well. And I think for us that was maybe that's for other companies won't be uh, the same. Uh, for us it was because there were multiple companies around the same problem area, um, kind of incorporating or looking for funding around the same time, which created a lot of inbounds um, and. From that, I think you look at your existing investors and say, hey, uh, uh, we want to get into um, this or that top VC. Uh, can you get this? Uh, get, get us an introduction? Uh, that definitely also happened uh, uh, a couple of times, and that's totally fine. Uh, so for us, it's I think going back to it, it really grew organically. We didn't have like a target list uh, that we were working towards. And then go, going back to the beginning, from what you know now, is there anything that you would do differently? Yeah, I think ultimately one thing I would do a bit more is play around a bit with the different scenarios. Like um, make sure you really also upfront figure out what is important to you in finding that next partner, VC. Um, like list it out. How how exactly will you evaluate them? I think is uh, uh, because if you do that too late and you align with your co-founders on that too late, um, I think that's not uh, that's not the best approach. It's better to get to get ahead of that, and then also think of uh, how your cap table will look like, like and how it will evolve in the future. Play around with with it a little bit. VCs will always tell you. There's no flexibility on ownership, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always wiggle room. Um, if they want to deal, they will find a way to make it work. Um, so play around with that a little bit. Uh, see what you're comfortable with giving up. Look at, of course, your cash needs. Um, think one VC, maybe even two or a syndicate, um, which is, of course, also great um, uh, in, in the long term in terms of like the power bases that build up in your uh, within the organization. Uh, I think those would uh, would all be things that um, you know. Now that I went through two times, um, that I would try to get ahead of as much as possible. And given the the successful closures of of each round uh, has been you know during this kind of pandemic period that uh, we you know experienced lockdowns and easing up and uh, and so on. 
were you able to 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 celebrate um you, you know with co-founders in your teams or was it again like over zoom uh, a cheers and um we'll do something where we can all meet in person yeah it is um like as um I don't know, maybe it's something in our Belgian culture, I don't know, but like we don't necessarily celebrate our wins enough. So we have to always try to, um, you know, be mindful of like, this is a big milestone that celebrates. Uh, of course, with COVID, it makes it even worse, right? So, um, but uh, we did uh, like Tom and myself, uh, Tom is my co-founder, we uh, were very close in, in, a, in, a, in a time or in period of, uh, of fundraising. Um, you need to meet. Uh, I think it's important um, to to really talk through things uh, where you can. Of course, sometimes it is really not possible, and that's the way it is. Um, so we did celebrate a little bit, uh, but it was not with uh, with a big bang or a large party at all, unfortunately. And, and how have you been investing the money or spending the money on on, on the business? I think one thing that we uh, that we do as a, as an organization is we. We, we try to be very cognizant of not getting ahead of ourselves. So, and the more you, uh, uh, the more capital, the more funds you have on the bank, um, you have to be very wary of like not doing, not investing too much. I think we've covered that a bit earlier as well. Um, so today we are um, um, gradually building out, I think, our, the, the, the sales organization with that. It's all, but not very aggressively right now. Uh, because we're still um, at that stage where we're landing on product market fit about right now. Uh, and at the same time, I think the big push right now is on scaling the engineering team um, and really focusing on engineering products, uh, the process to, to really ship features really quickly um, and to get everyone involved uh, from requirements to design, to implementation, to communication. Um, that is really what we uh, focus on today. Have you, final question, have you already started the, the Series B process or are you <laughs> taking a break? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, I think we're, uh, we're going to be heads down building the business uh, for uh, at least a year and a half. Good stuff, good stuff. Where can people find you online? I think you can find us, the company soda.io. Um, feel free to key in my name on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, we're, we're out there. So don't hesitate to reach out. And if there's anything that your organization, if you're interested, for example, in this concept of monitoring for data, testing, uh, observability, also don't hesitate. I uh, would love to chat. Awesome. Well, uh, Martin uh, Maskeline, uh, CEO of Soda, thank you so much for being a guest today on Deconstructing the Rays. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks very much.